You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. Welcome, I'm Mo Brady. Creating a character in a new Broadway musical is a gift for any artist because you get to infuse the show with your own artistry. But it is the lucky few who get to create characters multiple times in multiple musicals. By originating roles in more than one show, they've helped in a small but meaningful way to shape the legacy of musical theater for generations to come. At least, that's easy for me to say from the outside. But does it feel like that to the actors who create these ensemble roles? Do they think about the characters they create once the show is closed? I posed these questions to five of the most experienced and storied ensemble actors working on Broadway today, before a live audience at BroadwayCon 2020. Currently performing in Broadway's Beetlejuice, Chicago, Frozen, Town, and Wicked, they each shared stories about the small but mighty influence they've had on some of our favorite musicals. I'll let them introduce themselves after this break. Look, a set of towels. Hold my purse for me. Baby, please. No. I said hold it. Um, so these are five storied veterans of the Broadway stage. These are the best of the best, the people who've done so many shows, so many original casts. And so I asked the five of them to join us to talk about some of their biggest successes, some of their biggest failures, and what they hope their legacy will be as ensemble performers. Or maybe I didn't ask you that, but I'm gonna. Um, so let's go down the line with the mics, starting with Barrett. Will you say your name, uh, what neighborhood of New York City you live in, and your current show. Hi, I'm Barrett Martin. I currently live in uh, East Harlem, and um, I'm currently in Chicago, the musical. Hi, I'm Kelvin Moonlo. I hang out in Harlem, and I'm in Beetlejuice, the musical. Hello, I'm Tracy Beezer, and I am in the Frosé, Frozen, uh, <laughs> um, and I live on the Upper Best Side. Hey, I'm Brett Schuford. I currently live in the East Village, and I'm currently in Wicked. Hi, I'm Afra Hines. I live in the Bronx, just moved there, um, <laughs> and I'm currently in Town. Okay, so the first question I want to ask is, what do you think people would be surprised about being in a Broadway ensemble? Like, when you go home and visit your family, what's the thing that Aunt Janice raises her eyebrows up the most? The schedule. I, I think I think most people think we just like show up and do the show and that we get to just hang out and sleep in. And when you talk about how many put-in rehearsals and understudy rehearsals if you cover, and then also when they add additional performances or holiday schedules and things like that, most people are surprised at how little time we have outside the show. I feel like my parents are most, my family's most surprised that we don't get free tickets. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're in a show, cool, when can we come for free? Yeah, and to tag on to that and the schedule, um, holidays, obviously, you know, a lot of shows, they, they make the most of, most of their money during the holiday weekends, so a lot of people are surprised that 
you know, oh, where are you going for the holiday? Or where are you going for Christmas break? Where are you going? You know, I, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm working. So let's talk more about the brass tacks and nuts and bolts of being in the show. How early do you get to your theater? You're required to get to the theater half hour, but will someone just take us kind of through what time they arrive and what they do before the uh, Last places? possible second. <laughs> For me, I don't have fight call, so I literally just walk in at, because you have to, <laughs> or you get docked. Um, and so then, yeah, I go, and you, after doing it for so long, it's like, you know what you're doing. You can put your makeup on in like five minutes. So I put my makeup on. My hair is usually prepped. Sometimes I just do this and put a wig cap over it. And then uh, for the next 10 minutes, 10, sometimes 20 minutes, I'm just talking with my girls or on my phone, and then <laughs> they call places and I put my costume on. You're not stretching? You're not. You're not <laughs> wow. I don't kick my leg in that joke. <laughs> Depending on the show, yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've had shows where I've sh I've I've shown up earlier or had fight calls. Currently, um, I get there probably about ten minutes before half hour, only because I'm allowing for the MTA to be horrible. But uh, so I, I usually get there and just catch up with uh, my mates in the dressing room and see how their days were. You know, exchange stories, talk about current events. At about five minutes to places, I put on my one costume for the whole show. That's amazing. And do the show. But uh, I, I do have to warm up, but I tend to include that in my day's work, you know, at the gym and all that. And I, once I'm warm for the day, I'm, I'm pretty good for the show. I'm new to Wicked um, only like a few months. And so, and I'm a swing. So I try to get there an hour before the show, no matter what, just so that I'm not surprised if somebody calls out or something happens and I got to review a track and like, because I still, I mean, I'm still figuring the show out. It's pretty complicated. So I try to get there an hour before. Sometimes I'm not on, so I can just visit. But sometimes if I'm on, no, don't talk to me. <laughs> How, okay, so you've been there for two months. Yeah. How many tracks do you cover? Ten. Which is now the, the, the max, right? Mm -hmm. That's a new thing. You can two only of them are the principles. <laughs> yeah, that's the max. Two of them are principles, and then there's eight ensemble. And how many have you gone on for in the first two months? Five. Wow. Mm-hmm. Kelvin, take us through your pre-show Oh, I lied to you guys I don't have an apartment in Harlem I live at the Winter Garden Theater <laughs> I, I do well, The thing is, you know When you're a performer You're not just doing your show There's always like workshops And new musicals They don't just start from scratch So, you know I, I feel like I have the great pleasure To be able to be working on them all the time So I often call my dressing room the, My midtown office my midtown apartment, um, and so I really am at the Winter Garden maybe all day long. If somebody's like, oh, you have a two-hour break between this reading, I'll go, and I have a great station. There's tons of things to do. I don't know. I'm a pain in the ass. So, like, I, I get there. I beat my face whatever time I get there. I put on everything except for my big jacket, and I just walk around, and I terrorize everyone at the theater. Like, like this, with a cup of coffee in my hand. Hey, what's up, guys? Every dressing room. And, and that's how I warm up. If you, put it, if you do the right placement, the hey, yeah. hey. That's good. That's good, yeah. Let's talk about creating new Broadway shows. 
each of many of those shows have been based on previous IP, but your roles may have not been in the original intellectual property, right? How are you inspired by something like Ghost or Frozen when you're not playing Whoopi Goldberg or <laughs> um, or Elsa? Or Elsa. Yeah. Oof, that's a hard one. Um, I think my cast is very inspirational. I think we like to play. I have always had the attitude that even though I'm in the ensemble, I am very important to the show. And so I find ways of, I'm notorious for this, like if there is a silent moment, I will fill it. <laughs> I have given myself lines that are in the show right now. <laughs> um, uh, so it's just making sure that you realize how important you are and that you're not just in the, the background and that you are telling a story, have your story and make it clear and just creating. When we were creating Adam's Family, actually, uh, we had the original director, Phelan McDermott. He had two things that he said to us that I will never forget. Um, one, he read the definition of ensemble. And he read it to everybody. He read it to Nathan Lane and all the, you know, the principals in the show. And the definition is really the entire company. He called us the ensemble. So he put all of us on the same level as creating the show. And then he said, if you have four actors doing a scene and they all come on stage and they're all trying to do their best scene or make themselves look the best, you have this actor at this level and this at this and this at this and this at this. If every actor comes on and tries to make the other three actors look and sound the best they can, you have three people helping you give you that energy to create your best performance. And it, you know, it's, and it, it multiplies around you know, those four actors. And I'll just never forget that. So when I'm creating a new piece, it's about supporting whatever is being told, whoever the actor is that's speaking at that time, singing, maybe it's me, but it's, it's about just supporting the story 100% and making it about that piece and about the ensemble as a whole, rather than about what, you know, what am I gonna look like when I do this? What am I gonna bring to this? It's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's tough to create something that people know. Um, I think that when you're creating a piece of work that doesn't have intellectual property connected to it, you're like, great, I can do anything I want. But sometimes you have these huge corporations that run these shows and you're like, oh my gosh, you have a very specific vision of what the show is and what that there's a certain amount of marketing that comes with it. And you're like, okay, this is a Warner Brothers show. This is a Disney show. It has to feel like that brand. And also, you know, let's say Beetlejuice, for example, Beetlejuice is a cult movie. I, this is the first time I've had to do a role where the movie character was so iconic. And my, this is me, uh, we were out of town in DC a year and a half ago, and every day I would be like, I, I, I don't look like that guy, I don't act like that guy, there's something like, uh, wh what do I do? How do I calibrate my performance? And I have this anxiety of, I will never be that movie person. Then you just have to go have a big bottle of wine and say to yourself, get over it! You're not going to be that person. The only person you can be is the best version of yourself. So you take, you say, thank you so much, Glenn Chaddix, rest in peace, th for creating that role. Now I have to make it my own. Now I have to figure out why they cast me, what brought me to the table and put my energy and my likeness to that and create a brand new. Yes, there are movie versions of things and there are musicals made of movies. At some point, I always go, they're completely, they're two different beasts. Mm -hmm. 
They're two completely different mediums. And once you realize that, you can kind of free yourself and say, hey, yes, that exists, but this is new, and I hope you all enjoy it. I think there's probably lots of things that are really cool about being in an original Broadway cast. One thing that you were just like, I can't believe I get to do this. I was going to say cast recording because I remember as a kid always looking at the back of the CDs and looking at the cast list and seeing people's names and thinking, oh, I'd, I'd love that to happen to me one day. And then to have been on, I've been on like three cast recordings now and to think that that somebody is probably, well, now looking at the Spotify list or whatever, <laughs> but, and, and thinking, oh, maybe that could be me one day. And, and, and I think, yeah, it can. I'm going to piggyback on, yeah, you just go down in history as being the first to ever. Like even your random part that you created, somebody else is going to do it years and years to come. So it's kind of cool. Y'all do musicals when you're in high school and you have the MTI, you get that script, right? I used to obsess opening the first page and you get past the title page and then inside you're like opening that cast and you see all the characters listed out and like who originally played it. And it's, I'm still waiting for that moment for myself. I haven't had it yet, but I'm waiting for, you know, maybe Beetlejuice or SpongeBob will get licensed out in that way and be like, oh, there it is. Because I remember collecting these memorabilia over time, the playbills, the souvenir programs, reading every single person's bio. I have read your bio so many times, Tracy. <laughs> before I got to Broadway so many times and I'd be like, I hope I get to be there one day in my life. And it's, it, that is something that's, it's true. I'm sorry, now it's just stalkery. Um, and, uh, but that, those are the things that you collect and you, and, uh, and you know, this is such a silly Facebook meme thing. It's just like, try to remember that you wanted to be here yesterday, yeah. you know, in that place. And I was like, and I try never, I, I, it's hard for me to forget. It's hard for me to forget that like, man, this is all I ever wanted. And I know I haven't slept in about five years, but boy, oh boy, it does feel like a dream because I'm half asleep, but it is a dream because I'm living it. So it's awesome. I, I mean, the same thing, the cast, the cast album specifically, I remember being asked to be one of the three tap tap dancers for the Young Frankenstein cast recording. You know, and that was such a privilege because, but it also was a lot of pressure, you know, like it was, they didn't want everybody tapping because it, it just sounds too messy, too many taps, a few amount of people. And then they kind of double the track or triple the track. That moment was like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm creating the sounds for this album, not just singing on it, but I'm, I'm actually doing the tap. And, and also kind of what Kelvin was saying, I got, uh, they did Young Frankenstein at Drury Lane out in Illinois, maybe like three years ago, four years ago. Somebody sent me a picture of the score. And in the score, it said, Barrett jumps. There's a part of the show where somebody, during the instrumental dance break, somebody's supposed to do the Barrett jumps. So the, my friend who was out there was like, what are the Barrett jumps? <laughs> because they, you know, they want to know. They were pike jumps moving forward, which I dare you to try it. I dare you. I want to go the other way. What's something you've created that's in a show now? Time hasn't told yet. You know, it's it's one of those things that's a hard question for me to answer because I don't, I, I can't wait to see my first production of Spongebob particularly because I think it's such a, was wildly imaginative the way that Tina put it together. But I'm thinking that as companies and, you know, amateur companies, schools do it and other regional companies start to do it. And I was like, you guys can do anything to it. 
But the thing is, I will always feel a part of that DNA and the character that I created, you know, but that was all with the creative team. I don't want to take anything away from them, but to see that that will always be a part of the show, it will always be a part of the script. I'm really curious to see what, what does happen and what sticks. If there is one triumph in that particular show for me is I got a ball gag put into <laughs> a Nickelodeon show. Proud of you. No, listen, it, it, was, it was completely dramaturgically sound, I'm telling you. I, it makes sense to me, you know, he talked a lot during the show, and so at the, the, the last, at the end of the world, you just want to shut that guy up. So I don't know. <laughs> don't search the dark web of Broadway, but it's there. Yeah. SpongeBob Jr., that's going to be a great moment. Yeah. Ms. Beezer? Oh. Oh, that's a hard one because not many, like I think you were saying, not many of. What'd you do in Wedding Singer? You have stuff in Wedding Singer. Oh, I was the fake Tina Turner. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yes, thanks. Yeah, that's there in was the script. When, and then after when I was out, Eric Lewan Summers, rest his beautiful soul, he was my understudy. So they actually might be doing a drag Tina Turner instead. <laughs> They're like, I think that works a little bit better. But so, um, so yeah, that was it. And you have like features on that album too, right? Yeah. Your voice? I have features, yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. I, I heard you. Trace is good, guys. <laughs> Tracy's good. Yeah, the only thing I can think of on the Little Mermaid cast album, Heidi Blickenstaff and I would have this moment on stage during Under the Sea, during the dance break, where we were getting down and we would yell at each other across the stage, hey, and she'd be like, hey. It's on the cast recording, and that's the only thing I can think of as I was getting um, headshots done by somebody who's like, oh, I grew up listening to that cast recording, and I always wondered who was yelling hey, and I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> that's me and Heidi. But that's the only thing I can think of, because otherwise, you know, like, on the Little Mermaid script, it's like a seahorse, you know, or a stingray, and yes, I did those, but that's not me. Okay, these are all great. What great successes you've had. You've also had disappointments. <laughs> Special thanks to Tracy Beezer, Afra Hines, Kelvin Moonlow, Barrett Martin, and Brett Shuford for sharing their stories with us this week. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Mo Brady. The Ensemblist is proud to be a part of Broadway Podcast Network. If you can't get enough of theater conversations directed into your earbuds from us, there are more than 40 other great theater podcasts to listen to. Check us all out at bpn.fm. Also, we've joined the world of Patreon, where you can support the work we do here at The Ensemblist for as little as $5 a month. Learn how at patreon.com slash theensemblist. And if you don't have the cash to donate $5 a month, you can still help us out by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. One more thing, make sure you're following us on Instagram to see the latest posts from our website where we share the stories of talented artists working in theater ensembles. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 